0: Mm. Amen. Truer words cannot really be spoken. Jesus is all we need. Well, as we're... Oh, let me go the right way. There we go. As we uh, continue our series that we started last week, sent. Stephen shared last week about kind of the groundwork for that message and the groundwork behind that idea that um, we are called to be sent by God on a mission, with a purpose, to go someplace, to do something. And a lot of times, we ask the question, well, where am I supposed to go? And if you remember, and you were here last week, you remember that he said, well, our where is here. You're aware is where you are. There's not a magic formula to being sent. There's not a magic formula to being faithful to God. The faithfulness to God is just about being faithful where you are. It doesn't take going overseas to do a missions trip in some third world country to be faithful to God. It doesn't take going to the inner city to be faithful to God. It takes walking outside your door, greeting your neighbor, to be faithful to God. And so we talked about that last week. And so um, as we're continuing, and as I was thinking about when Stephen and I were talking about this sermon series and the direction we were going to go and, and what we wanted to kind of convey and, and what some pitfalls might be, uh, my mind immediately went to... Um, what I probably have the propensity to do most often when I feel God call me to do something, uh, make excuses why I can't do that. Or why uh, I could do that, right? But, but you know who would be really good at that? This person over here. Um, they've got a gift there. I, I'm not gifted there. I'm gifted over here. So, so God, if you know what's good for you, pick this person because they're really good at that. Or or I come up with other excuses of, oh, well, you, I'm doing all this other stuff for you, God. I, I'm really busy, right? I, I've got a lot of things I'm doing for you on my plate. Um, I really can't afford to take something else on. And if I do, well, then I probably can't keep doing the things that you've asked me to do already. So it's your choice, God, which you want me to do, this new thing or, or stop doing the stuff you already asked me to do. And... uh I think just as human beings, we're good at making excuses. At least that's what I'm learning as a father of a, of a toddler. <laughs> he could come up with an excuse for anything. Why he can't do anything. He could literally be bouncing off the wall, and five seconds later, it's full of energy. You know, just full, full on, like, just exploding with energy. And we ask him to pick up his room, and all of a sudden, his legs are really tired. And he can't He can't walk anymore. Bedtime takes three hours, right? So we put him down to bed and he comes out of the room and he's fine. He's like, oh, I'm hungry. I need a drink of water. I'm, I want this or that or th- whatever. We tell him to go back to his room and all of a sudden he crumbles on the middle of the living room floor. His legs are tired. He can't walk all the way to his bed. But he wasn't tired enough to be sleeping 30 seconds ago. Uh, we're good at making excuses. And I think just like I'm able to see through my son's excuses, and God sees through our excuses pretty easily. <laughs> They're not very good excuses to him. He knows what we're trying to do. He knows how we're trying to skirt around what he's, asking him to do, or what he's asking us to do. And yet, where I'm tempted to get frustrated and yell at my son and tell him to go to bed or I'm going to take away toys and throw stuff away and friends can't come over tomorrow and start making threats God is gracious and loving and compassionate. Maybe I have a little growth yet to do in my life. um, A little bit. But there are still questions. Even when we get that we're supposed to do it here, it's not about where, it's about here. There's still questions of, well, what does that look like? Right? Right? Uh, what shape does that take, and and how is it supposed to be? And um, Really, the most basic thing is that being faithful to God will open up so many opportunities you never even expected or saw or envisioned come before you. Uh, We heard that last week, right, as Katie Luma kind of shared a little bit of her heart. Uh, from the challenge that went all the way back to January when Stephen stood before us all and he said, hey, I bought these, uh, these little journals, little notepads, and what I want you to do is, is jot down a moment. It doesn't have to be a full journal entry, right? Just a moment, a, a blurb of, of where you felt God speaking to you this week. What was he prompting you? How was he shaping you? How was he moving in you? And so she shared, Katie Luma did last week, right, about how she'd been doing that. And how God had been speaking to her, and she'd begin to see the ways in which God was moving her in a direction of spiritual growth and maturity that she otherwise would not have caught if she wasn't paying attention. See what she did by writing those things down was she was eliminating an excuse. I I never heard it, God. Oh, I didn't realize that's what you wanted me to do. I didn't realize you wanted me to love this person. Like, I knew this person, but that person, well, that's a whole nother nother situation. She was eliminating that excuse because there it was, black and white, right in front of her. This is what God wants me to do. It's what he's asked me to do. This is what he's been shaping me to do. These are the relationships that keep coming into my life. These are the people that, for whatever reason, keep coming into my life. Maybe God's doing something there. Maybe he's preparing me in some way for this. Maybe that person who sits next to me at work and every four months asks me some question about God or or religion or spirituality. Um, Sometimes it's about Christianity. Sometimes it's just about other stuff. And I don't think about it because I'm not thinking about them asking me questions. And so I don't realize how many times they've been doing this. But over the last two years, they've done it a lot. And they've asked some really huge questions. Maybe God's doing something there. But the excuse is, I I just didn't catch it. I wasn't paying attention. I didn't realize that's what they wanted me to do, or that's what you wanted me to do, God. And so today I really want to talk about excuses. If we're to be sent, if we're to move forward, if God has a plan and a mission for us, we need to eliminate the excuses in our lives first. The excuses to not do something. See, excuses keep us from realizing all that God has for us. Excuses limit us. They box us in. They keep us where we are. They don't allow us to be sent. Excuses restrain us. They limit us, and therefore they limit God. Because God uses us. God moves through us. God speaks through us. And so when you limit yourself, When you use excuses to limit yourself, you're limiting God and what God wants to do in the lives of those who you impact, the lives of the people who are in your life, and the ripple effects of it from there. If you will, turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 14 today. The Gospel of Luke, um, right towards the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, When when possible, I try to use uh, the Gospel of Matthew just because I like his name better, Um, but uh, Luke captures, uh, yeah, right? Thank you. Uh, Luke captures the story um, that Jesus shared, and it was another parable teaching, and um, it just really spoke to me, and it spoke on this issue, I think, a little bit, but Last week, and and as we often do, Stephen and I um, weekly get together and we have our staff meeting. It's a staff of two, but it's a staff meeting nonetheless. Um, His whole brain and my half a brain makes a whole and a half a brain. So there you you got something going there. Um, But as we sat down and we talked about it, uh, talked about this and and life of the church and prayed for everybody um, as we do, he asked me a question um, that caught me a little bit off guard. And he goes, how many more years of effective ministry do you think you have left? He emphasized effective. That was his emphasis. How many more years of effective ministry do you have left? So first I said, are you saying that I've been effective so far? Uh, which is good because my boss just said I was effective. So yes, points. Um, how many more years of effective ministry do you have left? So I thought about it a little bit. I'm, I'm 29 and I thought, well, you know. Judging by my, my family's medical history and health issues that they've had in their older ages. I, I don't know, 35, 40 years, maybe I can kind of keep doing this some way, some capacity. We said, effective ministry. said, so yeah, I think it would be effective. Now, my effective would look different then. My effective, when I'm 50 years old, is going to look a lot different than my effective does today or on Wednesday nights when I'm throwing footballs and kicking soccer balls around with the teenagers. I won't be playing at that level anymore, and, it, and as it is, I already feel exhausted trying to keep up with 15-year-olds half my age. Um, my effective will probably look different, but I think, I think there'd be some effectiveness to it. Um, you know, I, I know in my own experience, some of the Uh, best youth pastors I ever witnessed being connected to district events and stuff like that for our denomination was some who were in their 50s and 60s. Um, Amazing youth pastors. They got it. They understood that it wasn't just about games and fun and cookouts, that it was about instilling and discipling these teenagers to understand who God is. And some of the worst I've witnessed were 22-year-olds who had all the energy of the teenagers, could keep up with them, knew all their references, Knew all the YouTube stars and all the hit nude, hot new dances, but they missed the discipling. And I've seen it both ways. I've seen the whole gamut. So it's not to say that, that youth is foolish. Um, I've seen it both ways. But when we talk about effectiveness, I don't think age has a limit on our effectiveness. But maybe the way we look at our effectiveness has to shift. And as I began to think about that, and I was thinking about it and processing it in the sermon, I thought, how often does age become an excuse when God asks us and calls us to do something? I'm too young. I, I don't have the experience. Uh, they, won't, they won't listen to me. That's, so th- these are things that young senior pastors often feel the pressures they feel coming into a congregation, why would they listen to me? I'm 25 years old. These people have been Christians twice as long as my life. Why would they care what I have to say? Just because I've got a piece of paper from a school that said I've learned something. I'm too young. I don't know enough. And and Paul talked about this when he mentored and taught Timothy later on in the New Testament. As Paul writes his letters to Timothy, he says, hey, don't let anybody look down on you just because you're young. Your effectiveness isn't contained by your age. Your effectiveness is contained by what God wants to do through you and your faithfulness to do that, your willingness to do that. And on the reverse of that, I, I haven't been there yet, but I know I'm going to use this excuse because I know how good I am at, ex- at excuses. When I get older, I will use my age as reasons not to do things. I know that about myself. I'll be like, I'm too old. I can't do that. I use that now. What am I talking about? I use that now. I'm 29 years old. I'm like, I'm too old to do that. Um, My back hurts. My knees. Bad knees. Army training, it's bad. Um, Excuses get in the way of what God wants to do with us. And if you are to be effective, and if you want to succeed and be effective in your life, And in God's mission for you, you have to eliminate those excuses. And sometimes that means looking at things a different way. Sometimes that means changing the paradigms of your life, changing the way you're approaching something, and saying, how can I be faithful to God nonetheless? Maybe I can't do this anymore, which is how I've always been faithful to God. But maybe I can do this. As life changes, our faithfulness Shouldn't waver, but maybe the way we display that faithfulness changes. Excuses get in the way of so much, so much of the time. Excuses cause us to miss out on life's great moments because we feel unworthy or ill prepared, we're just depressed. And, and Last night, I confess that it took me over a year to watch this movie, which is crazy. Uh, I finally saw last year's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, the animated Spider-Man movie, right? I know you were waiting for my superhero reference, so I uh, had to reference the superhero. Um, I do it once, once in a sermon. And um, I caught something in there, and, and I don't know if, if others have caught it that have seen the film or not, but in the movie, what happens is um, Spider-Man... Spoiler alert. Spider-Man dies. Yeah. Right at the beginning of the movie. But, but another kid gains the powers to be Spider-Man. A new kid, Miles Morales, now has the Spider-Man capabilities. He can be Spider-Man. And the big bad guy has created this device that creates all these parallel universes. And so all these Spider-Men from other parallel universes, sci-fi stuff, come into this world, right? to stop the big bad guy because what's going to happen is, is everything's going to cease to exist, right? Everything's going to collapse and collide in itself way out there sci-fi stuff. If you love sci-fi, this you're probably eating this up. If you don't love sci-fi like my wife, you probably hate it. Um, <laughs> and uh, Miles has been Spider-Man or had Spider-Man capabilities for about 24, 24 hours. Here's a picture. I forgot I had the picture on there. Miles has had Spider-Man capabilities for about 24 hours. He's the guy in the middle there. He's a teenager. And um, they're they're on a mission. This ragtag group of spider people and a pig are on a mission to stop the big bad guy from destroying everything that's existed in all of life and time and space, right? And Miles looks at, at Peter Parker standing next to him there and he says, how will I know I'm ready? How will I know that I'm ready to be Spider-Man? That I, that I have enough training, that I have enough know-how, that I have enough whatever it is to get me through. How will I know? And Peter turns and looks at him and says, you won't. You won't know. It takes a leap of faith. It takes a trust. It takes a hope and a future. It takes a trusting in who you are, removing the excuses, and leaping out into the unknown because somebody's asked you to do it. A leap of faith. Turning our attention to Luke 14. I know you've been sitting there waiting for it. Luke 14, starting in uh, verse 15, and I'm going to read through 24 here, the whole parable of the great banquet. Jesus was dining at a Pharisee's house as he told this story, the teachers of the law, and he uh, used his time at a meal to share about a time at a meal, which is an interesting uh, plot device. So he says this, starting in verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field. And I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of these men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. I think we learn a couple things from this story. Um, first of, of which is, is we see the excuses, Right? Uh, three excuses, in fact. Um, the first guy had just bought a field. He needed to go out and survey the land, right? He needed to take care of his investment and go see his and tend to his field. That seems like a reasonable excuse. He said, "Please excuse me." Okay, that's that's reasonable. The other one had just bought some oxen. Likewise, he needed to begin to train his oxen. Uh, once again, an investment. You don't just buy oxen and just have them laying around. No, they're supposed to be put to work, so you need to train them, teach them. And then the last was just married. I, I, I just got married. Like, I can't come to your banquet today. Like, any other time, sure, but I was just married. So his family obligations were important. And so he turned down the request to come to the banquet. Think thing about these excuses None of these excuses are bad, are they? None of those things are bad things to do in and of themselves. Removing the fact that they were requested to come to a dinner, and we know that the master is God, right? So that's obviously the right answer because we know we've got the inside look that that's God. So um, removing that from the equation, somebody saying, hey, I just bought a field. I need to go out and tend to it. That's not a bad thing to do. That's a good thing to do. We'd praise that person for it. Good hard work and discipline and dedication, like I said, taking care of your investments, likewise with, with oxen. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you've invested all of your money into this. You've, you've earned and kept your resources. You need to go take care of your oxen. And of course, family, we can't neglect the family. Our family, in fact, our family is of utmost importance to God. How's that one for size? God, I know this is important to you. So I can't do this because you've already asked me to do this. And this is more important, or at least it's what I want it to be more important. But still there's the tension there. Where God has asked us to do both. How do I commit to both things? They're not bad excuses. But each one of these people missed the pivotal moment for an encounter with God. They were busy being faithful to God that they missed out on encountering God. They were busy doing on behalf of God that they missed out on being with God. They refused to be sent from their own place of work and their own strength to join the mission of God. Maybe it's because they didn't realize that that was happening. They didn't realize that the Master was God. Who could fault them for that? If some random person invited you to their house for dinner, would you go immediately and drop everything else you have? Well, no, probably not. Unless you really wanted to eat that dinner. You're foodie. You just love to eat. Um... Probably not, though. More likely, you would continue to do what you have been doing and maybe you would entertain a request at a future date. Uh, I would love to come to your house. How's next week sound? Put it off for later because I've got some stuff to do right now and and this is really important. So, uh, I, I know you're important too, so I would love to be a part of your, your banquet. Uh, next time you have one, let me know, uh, I, and I'll, I'll see if I can't make it out. And we do this in our spiritual lives all the time. Next week, I'll X, Y, Z. I'll begin to pray more. I'll begin to read my Bible more, and I'll begin to Whatever. You fill in the blank. You you know in your own life what the things are you use excuses for. I know the things I use excuses for to keep me from moving, to keep me from being sent, to keep me from connecting with God. Maybe it's because they were scared. Because they knew that it was God. And they knew that an encounter with God would mean that their life would have to be different that the priorities of their lives would have to be shaped differently. That if they encountered God, much like writing down those moments of God in your journal, if they encountered God and had the words of God and it was very clearly spoken to them that I am supposed to do this and this and this, well, now I've eliminated my excuses. Now I can't back out. I already told them I was free on Friday. Now they invited me to that dinner. I really didn't want to go, but now they know I don't have an excuse. Maybe they were scared. But either way, they missed out and used excuses to cover themselves. Jesus is not indicating that any of these things are bad. Jesus would praise each one for doing these things on a normal circumstance. He is calling out that their use of an excuse to keep from connecting with God is getting in the way of their growth with God. He sees right through the excuse. He knows this is an excuse. He knows it's a way to weasel out and get out of it. And so he calls it out. says it's not a really good excuse. Life is so busy though, right? I mean, real world life, not make-believe life. Like, your life is busy. You've got places to go. You've got people to meet. You've got work obligations and family obligations and more obligations than you care to have. And then you volunteer to serve here as a part of VBA or something like that. So now you've got another obligation, right? So there's all this stuff. Good stuff. Great stuff. Great stuff. Wonderful stuff. We want you to be a part of the things we do here. We long for you to serve and be a part of the things we do here. Not just because we absolutely need you because we couldn't do it without the hands and feet to do it, but because we know that God works through those moments. God works through those moments to build community, to build relationships, and to form and grow you. And so we absolutely want you to be a part of, of anything and everything you can. But not at the expense of your relationship with God. To do on behalf of God but not to be with God means the doing doesn't mean a whole lot. To do on behalf of God but not to be with God means the doing doesn't mean a whole lot. A lot of times, Because life's so busy, we realize that that means we have to make sacrifices. And speaking as a a parent of two little boys that are only getting older, and I know that their social schedules and calendars are only going to get busier and busier as they get older. It seems like my four-year-old is way busier than I was as a four-year-old already. Um, We begin to make cuts somewhere. We've got to cut somewhere. Sacrifices have to be made somewhere. And so I've seen a lot of parents the thing they sacrifice is their own sleep and rest. Moments of solitude, moments of quiet, because they're so busy trying to make sure their kids' lives are fulfilled that they forget that they're important too. And so they sacrifice their sleep go to bed at 1 a.m. and get back up at 5 a.m. because I need to help finish the science project that Billy had to do tomorrow morning. He didn't tell me about it until 9 o'clock last night when he was going to bed, so I stayed up all night to do it for him because otherwise he's going to get a bad grade and then that's going to reflect poorly on me and, and then he's going to have bad looks from all of his friends and his teachers because he didn't do the homework on time, so I'm trying to help take care of this, but I've got to get up at work for, for I've got to get up for work tomorrow at 5 a.m., so here I am, 12.30 at night, finishing Billy's science project because it's important. so we sacrifice those things. And we can sacrifice just about anything. But what we sacrifice so often, so many families sacrifice, is their moments of encounter with God. And, right, I'm speaking to the choir today because you guys are all here, so, right? (laughs) You're like, yeah, that's that's right. Um, But what we sacrifice when push comes to shove, is, is who's the person who's not going to come back at me and be like, well, why weren't you there? Why didn't you come to, to this event? Why didn't you help us in this PTA activity? Why didn't you help us do this or that? I know these people are going to follow up with me, but I could probably just not go to church for a couple weeks. And that would give me a little time to rest on Sunday morning and what's God going to say? He's probably not going to say anything to me, and, and if he tries to speak to me, I'll just kind of turn off my little hearing aid there and make excuses. Or we say stuff like, well, I mean, I don't, I don't really have to go to church on Sunday morning. I can just get up at, like, noon, and I'll, like, watch a sermon on YouTube or something, and, and that'll, that'll kind of work. I'll read my Bible a little bit, and that'll, that'll kind of work. Well, um, and those are good things to do. Um, different perspectives from different preachers and stuff like that. It's it's a good thing to have sometimes as you begin to to study Scripture and and look into Scripture and try to unravel um, all of God's truth in there. Um, But we ought not to sacrifice what we're doing here this morning. And this this message is not about make sure you're here on Sunday morning. It's not at all. Um, But there's an important point to be made here. That there are things we can sacrifice And there are things that we ought not to sacrifice. And we can make excuses until our faces are blue, but it doesn't ever make it okay. How's that for hard truth? In fact, the writer of Hebrews said this, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I don't think I need to preach a sermon about being at church on Sunday morning. Hebrews makes it pretty clear. You're supposed to meet together. You're supposed to be together. You're supposed to share in life together and not just come and sit in a seat and then slip out, but like talk to other people. Share about what's going on in life together. Cry with someone else. Pray with someone else. Uplift someone else. Encourage someone else. These are all challenges and all things we make excuses not to do. So like I said, what I'm talking about isn't overall about being at church on Sunday morning, um, but the excuses we use to keep us from growing with God. Excuses get out of it. There is, we have to stop using excuses to get out of things. There are perhaps times where God has been telling you to do something and it's been pretty clear to you and you've decided not to do those things. And you continue to find a good reason not to do it, right? Once you find one excuse to not do something, it seems like it's easier and easier to find other good excuses not to do something. Um, it's easy to get out of the habits, harder to get in the habits. One of the avenues um, that we use here at Walpock Naz to be the salt, light, and yeast in our communities is what we call our Backyard Nation parties. And if you're not familiar with the, the Backyard Nation parties, the concept behind it, like I said, it's, it's our attempt to help resource the congregation to be salt, light, and yeast, excuse me, in our communities. So as a, as a board and as a staff, we, we've agreed that what we'll do is we'll resource food and games and even promotional invitation flyers to hand out to people in your neighborhood. Somebody says, hey, I want to throw one of these back here nation parties. It's like a block party for your neighborhood. But there's a lot of planning and time and effort that goes into throwing a party, right? I know we just threw one yesterday for my, my son. A lot of fun, but a lot of time and effort. And then there's a cost associated with it too. Like when you start thinking, oh, I'm inviting this many people and it's gonna be this many hot dogs and hamburgers. And and so we wanna eliminate some of those excuses. And so we've said as a church that we are going to outfit and resource people who want to do this, who feel like God has moved them in this direction and said, I want you to be a kingdom outpost in your community. I want your home to be a place Where people look at it and say, I can go there for solitude, for rest, for comfort, for safety. When life falls apart, I know whose door I can knock on. And I know their name now, because they threw a party. Right? We don't know our neighbors' names, a lot of us. So this is this is a, a, no agenda other than get to know the names of the people in your community. Get to know their kids' names, their grandkids' names. Get to know what they're passionate about, their interests, the things that they get excited for. Just get connected. And, and to your confession here, um, when we came here to this church, this is one of the things that um, Stephen had mentioned, and he's been talking about it, I don't know how long we've been doing it, for several years now, this Backyard Nation parties in some capacity. Um, they've changed a little bit over time, and they've grown and, and stuff like that. And, and so he said, you know, um, I really think it'd be good if, if you and Chris and your family hosted one, uh, Backyard Nation event. And I was like, okay. Um, and maybe you'll think this is weird, because I'm a pastor, and I'm not supposed to be this, right, this way, right? But I'm rather introverted. I don't like talking to new people. Um, I don't like strangers, (laughs) stranger danger. Maybe that was ingrained in me as a kid and I've just never moved past it. And so it's something I struggle against. And so, man, real quick, it would be easy for me to make excuses to get out of doing something like this. And I think that God ordained in my life uh, an immediate get out of excuse card by giving me my very extroverted wife. I don't have an excuse anymore because here she is. Uh, thanks, honey. But these backyard nation parties and the excuses we use to not do something. You don't have to do this. this. This isn't it for everybody, but maybe it is for some of you. Maybe this is the avenue you use to step out in faithfulness to God. If God hasn't spoken to you about something else, some other direction he wants you to go, some avenue he wants you to approach in your life, in your workplace, in your home, whatever, maybe this is it for you. Um, we would love to talk to you more about that if if you feel like that might be the case, if you feel like God's prompting you in that way. Uh, we, we hosted one last year, um, and we actually, we had just had, my second son Oliver was just born, and so we knew we were gonna kind of be a little bit stretched with, with two little boys and just the two of us and so we actually partnered with somebody else in our church, Kelly Uless, um, who only lives a couple blocks from us and we threw the event together. Um, church resources us the food and all that stuff and we just connected with people and you want to know something really cool that happened as a result of that? As a result of eliminating excuses and stepping out into something that I felt awkward doing and uncomfortable doing, we were invited, me and my family, um, yesterday To the or sorry, college to the high school graduation party for one of our neighbors. She's never been connected to this church. They've come a couple times to some youth activities, but never regularly. Her and her siblings. Um, We would never have had that connection if not for this event. As as a youth pastor. I get invited to my students' graduation parties. It kind of comes with the territory, right? It's the, it's the obligatory, well, you've got to invite him. He's the youth pastor, right? You get bad juju if you don't invite him. Um, and there's kind of sometimes maybe a hope of like, well, all my friends are going to be there, and then this old guy, so maybe, hopefully, he doesn't really show up. Um, but you don't expect that from somebody who isn't your student? I, and I don't expect and I, I don't know that this is the case, but I don't expect that she sees me as her youth pastor. I wouldn't expect that she would. I'm her neighbor. I'm somebody who stepped out with my family, not just me, um, stepped out into an awkward situation and built connections. Built relationship because we didn't let the excuses limit what God wanted to do in us. Fact of the matter is, we need to feel the sense that we belong before we believe, just as people. And I'm I'm not even talking about uh, Christianity specifically, but. It applies to Christianity. We need to know that we can be safe somewhere, that I can be a part of this, that I can belong here before I really feel a sense I can buy in, before I feel like I can invest in that emotionally or monetarily or physically or whatever. If I can't be a part of it, well, why should I believe in it? And our excuses keep this from happening so often. Our excuses try to make it flip the other way and say, well, you know, uh, God, I, I know you want me to step out here and, and throw, this, uh, throw this party, or I know you want me to step out here and, and go up to this, uh, this person who's sitting by themselves at the lunch break. Um, nobody really likes them at work, um, and there's a good reason, because they're kind of a jerk. Um, But I know you've been speaking to me that I need to speak to this person for some reason. But uh, tell you what, God, I'll I'll make you a deal. Uh, This is really easy for you. Um, If you convince me that they want to come to church, I'll go talk to them. If you convince me that they've had a change of heart, that they're no longer a jerk, and just other people haven't given them a chance yet, I'll give them that first chance. I'll I'll be a a real great person to give them that first chance, right? Right? so we make these deals and we barter and God says no that's not how it works I need you to take a leap of faith I need you to trust in what my plan is step out into the unknown remove the excuses from your life allow God to speak in you and then through you and be amazed at what he does God's been using ordinary people since the beginning of time to do extraordinary things. You might be sitting there saying, I'm not very extraordinary. I don't have a lot of gifts. I don't have a lot of talents. I don't, I'm not that smart. I'm not that articulate. I'm not, whatever. Whatever those excuses are in the back of your head, God has been using people just like you and just like me since the beginning of time to change the world. The only person that God used that was an ordinary was himself, his son, Jesus Christ. Everybody else was an ordinary person. Doesn't matter how great you think Abraham was, he was an ordinary person. Doesn't matter how great you think Moses was, ordinary dude. Doesn't matter how great you think Paul was, ordinary dude. Doesn't matter how great you think Mary Magdalene was, ordinary lady. God has been using ordinary people to do extraordinary things since the beginning of time when they remove their excuses and they allow themselves to be sent. God wants to send us. We are the ones who limit ourselves. We are the ones who limit God because we refuse to allow Him to work in us the way He needs to work in us. It's on us. It's not because God doesn't want to show up. It's not because God doesn't want to do something amazing and extraordinary. It's not because God doesn't want to bring revival because we make excuses to limit what we feel like we can do and then we limit God and what he's going to do. There's one other interesting thing in in Luke 14 I want to highlight as we're getting close to the end here. The three excuses that come back to the master, all good ones, right? Um, Decent excuses, good things. Um, Notice the master's response after that. He continues to invite others. God is on a mission to send people to change the world. He wants to use you. He wants to use me. And he wants to use him and her and so on and so forth. But when we use excuses to limit God and ourselves, God will find somebody to bless because of their faithfulness. God will find somebody to work through. And they'll be blessed as a result. And you'll get left out as a result. Because you wanted to use an excuse to limit God in your life. It's not God's plan to leave anybody out. And it's not God who leaves anybody out. It's us. We leave ourselves out because we refuse to get in the game. I think about, you know, little kids playing in the park, playing sports. And uh, it probably isn't a surprise because I told you how introverted I am. I was a shy kid too. So if I saw other kids playing a sport, I would want to join in, but it would be very hard for me to get over that social hurdle to jump in there and and start playing, right? As I stand on the sidelines and I watch the other kids play baseball or soccer or football or whatever they're playing, guess what happens? The game continues. Guess what happens? The other kids continue to have fun. Guess who gets left out? I wasn't left out because they excluded me. I wasn't left out because they said, no, we don't want you to play. I was left out because I use an excuse, a fear of rejection from allowing myself to step into the game. I was afraid they would reject me, so I just said, well, I'm not even going to try. We limit God when we use excuses to keep him from doing stuff. So the question every week as we kind of conclude our sermons, um, we ask it in a different way, but it it really boils down to A thoughtful question of with all this that we've just listened to and thought about and contemplated the last 45 minutes, hour what are you going to do with it? You can just sit here and get up and, and leave it here and go home and act like none of this ever happened. It's easy to do. Hundreds of thousands of people do it every Sunday morning, maybe millions. I don't want to speak to everybody's hearts, but I'm just playing the odds a little bit there, if I can do that. Christians all over the world, people who profess faith and trust and belief in Jesus Christ, come on a Sunday morning, listen to a sermon, and think, wow, that was wonderful, that was powerful. That's changed me in some way. And then they leave from their seats, and they never do anything with it, and so nothing changes. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with the prompting that the Lord's placed on your heart today? Maybe for some of you it is that digging deeper, or I'm sorry, the backyard nation. And if you're interested in that, like I said, we would love to talk to you more about it. If a backyard nation party sounds like something that you would either like to do or you're terrified of doing, but you feel like God's asking you to do it anyway— If you would write that down on that connection card in your pew and slip it in the joy box as you exit today, we would love to connect with you and talk about that. If there's fears, if there's other questions, whatever, um, we would love to have more conversation with you about that, um, especially if the Lord's prompting you to do this. If he's asking you to do it, he'll provide a way for you to do it. Maybe for others of you, the backyard nation thing isn't for you, but that's fine. Um, If there's something that God has asked you to do, continually asked you to do, and you continue to find excuses not to do it, now's your chance to step out and do it. Make the break right here, right now. Say, no more excuses. I'm going to do that. Whatever it was. And if you want people to pray for you, to encourage you, or you need help in doing that, once again, that's what we're here for too. So same thing, you can fill that out on the connection card, drop it in the, in the joy box if you so feel led. Like, I, I know that God's asking me to, to step out and do this, but I don't know what it looks like. I don't know, know how we make that happen. Um, we can brainstorm and talk about it. You, me, Stephen, um, have a conversation, pray about it, seek the Lord, work together so that you're not working through all this by yourself. And God will appear. God has pressed you to move in any way. Today is the day, now is the time to take the leap of faith. You won't know that you're ready. You probably won't feel adequately equipped. But if God is asking you to do it, you are ready for the task. So it's time to step out and trust Him. Will you stand as we pray this morning? New gracious heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and the the challenge that it speaks to my heart and my life. God, it's so easy to become complacent in my spiritual journey. And it's so easy to do a a lot of good things, a lot of spiritual things, a lot of things that, that I know you've called and asked me to do, and then to make excuses to not do something else that you've asked me to do. Father God, I I just pray and I ask that you help us to live with our priorities in check. With the order of our life in order. So that you can do mighty things through us. God, help us to remove the excuses. May those not get in the way of what you want to do. But may we live boldly, trusting that you are who you say you are. And that you want to do extraordinary things through us. And who knows? Huh. Maybe Wapakoneta and the surrounding areas could face a revival the likes of this country has never seen before. Because of the faithfulness of your people to what it is you have to do. What it is you're asking us to do. Father God, we love you. And we ask this all in your son's holy and powerful name. Amen. Amen. Just a reminder, there is no uh, encounter tonight or digging deeper on Wednesday, uh, but we hope to see you Thursday at the District Center for Stephen's Ordination Service. And then Pizza with the Pastors is in the Fellowship Hall right after this. Go in his peace this morning, the grace and love of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior.